But uh, grace and peace to you as you bunker down in your homes this Sunday. I tell you to fear not, but by the looks of what I've been reading and seeing on Facebook and social media, that's not working. So um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but this social distancing stuff isn't working for me. I mean, I can't keep Amanda, my wife, away from me. She, it, it, it's, it's not working. See, you guys, you guys have the same issue I do. Oh, am I talking to someone out here? You'll never know, really. So, but anyways, um, me and Amanda celebrated 22 years of marriage last, uh, or yesterday, Saturday. And, uh, and you know what we did? Nothing. We did nothing. And uh, so I got out cheap. I got out cheap for this. I'm sure she'll, she'll get, get me back later on. Uh, but... Uh, um, so I, I, I just am imagining all of you that are watching us right now clapping and saying congratulations. So I appreciate those claps and, and those congratulations. Um, we uh, are in a uh, strange time. You know, I, I've heard a lot of pastors that uh, condemned televangelists. And they said that televangelists, that is not the church. And look at you now, look at you now. Uh, I don't, don't want to say it, but could you be a hypocrite today? Um, but truthfully, this is not the church. You know, you see a lot of things on social media about the church is not a building. I totally agree. The church is not a building. But this is not the church. Me preaching, me teaching is not the church. You're not the church sitting in your home. That's not the church. The church is a body with many members. And they come Together, these members, the eye can't say I have no need of the ear. The, the, you know, you can't say, the hand can't say I don't need my foot. We come together and we complement one another to represent the kingdom of God in this world. So you can put your little memes on TV or on social media all you want about the, um, the, church, might, the church building might be empty, but the church is mobilized. I don't see the church mobilized at all. I'm just being honest with you. For me, for me, this event has caused me to look hard at myself and what I believe about my God. These circumstances do not dictate who God is, but these circumstances are dictating to us who we say God is. And before I get too many of you turned off and trying to find a nicer service this Sunday, I'll get back to this at the end. But we're in a, we're in a series that I think is so relevant for the situation that we find ourselves in. We've been, we've been talking about no longer finding victory through a spirit-led life. And I got a question for you. Are you being led by the spirit through this crisis? What is God saying to you individually in this crisis? Where are you getting, where are you getting, are you getting a heavenly download from heaven about who you are and what's your role and who, in, this, in, this, in this calamity? Or are you only listening to the news media? Are you only listening to the, to the uh, politicians, to the government? 
And I and I and I listen to the politicians and I and I censor what I listen to the media. And it looks like they're just grasping at straws that they don't have real, any real answers. They they put together the <laughs> I'm talking too much. They put together these man-made models. And we're not even close to what they're saying. The, 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 minimum, the minimum death toll in the United States, the minimum in their model was 200,000. I'm going to give you just a little bit of facts here. Because facts should override your emotions. We've had 60, I looked it up this morning, 60, I'm going to round it up even for you, 6,600 deaths that were tied to the coronavirus. Now, don't get me wrong. One death is too many. But the, the, but the, but the truth of the matter is, is that we live, in a, we live in a world that is fallen and broken, and it's not the way that God designed it to be. And death is a reality. So you better be sure of, of who you belong to because you're all going to die. Man, this is happy days, huh? But anyways... 6,600 died. Do you know how many cases there are in the United States? There's 277,205. If you take 6,600 and, and divide it by 277,205, that gives you a less, not even, not even a 1% chance of dying from the coronavirus. That's just facts. And you can come up, you can, you know, I'm probably going to get people hating on me, throwing stones on social media because I, I give you facts. And you can say all these scenarios of what could happen. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess uh, some publicity, bad publicity is better than no publicity. But anyways, we'll get back to that. We're in this series no longer finding victory over the flesh in sin. Shoot. And last time we came together, last week, Pastor Tom preached an awesome, awesome message on, uh, on um, essential. What is essential in times like this? And uh, last time we were on this discussion, we were looking at Paul's testimony as a new believer. And, and we found that his testimony was as much like most of ours are. That he found himself doing things that he didn't want to do. And the things that he knew he should be doing, he isn't doing. Is that any of you guys right now? We tell you not to fear. Are you fearing? Are you finding yourself doing things that you know you shouldn't? Are you finding yourself being irrational? I had a, my daughter has a friend that she graduated with, and she works at our local Kroger's, and so she's, she's about 19 years old, young girl, and she's working in this Kroger's as people, day, you know, all day long as people are coming and using her, her willingness to serve them. As she's working in Kroger's, and they and they and they tell everybody there's a six foot social distancing rule, 
Well, she's working and she's coming down this aisle. And you know grocery store aisles, that if there's two people in the aisle, there's no way you can cross paths and be six foot apart. And this woman starts screaming at her, get away, get away, and she's shaking violently. There's something truly wrong, and it's not a virus. Are you finding yourself? Are you finding yourself acting in ways that you'd never thought you would act like? Are you finding yourself giving up things that you'd never thought you'd give up? See, the problem is, is, is what we learned about last time in Romans chapter 7. We learned that Paul realized what his problem was. Paul found out that he was a navel gazer. He was a navel gazer, not a nasal gazer, like I was saying before. A, na- a navel, navel gazer. He was constantly looking to himself to improve his condition. He was looking at what he could do to overcome. What, what strength did he have in the midst of his problem? But Paul finally came to an end of himself. And this is something we all have to do. You have to realize that you are not God. You are not God. He came to an end of himself and he, had, and, he, and he stopped looking to himself and he took his eyes off his navel and looked up and become a sun gazer. He started looking to Jesus. And this all took place in Romans chapter 7. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul starts laying out the answer to sin in the flesh and what it means to walk in the Spirit. So let's start off in Romans chapter 8 and and see the very first thing that Paul got victory over when he took his eyes off himself and put them onto Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore, oh, excuse me, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The very first thing that gets removed out of your life when you take your eyes off from self is condemnation. So if you find yourself in guilt, if you find yourself, if the things that I just said, you, you feel condemned, like I'm saying that you don't have faith. Yes, you do. You have faith. You have the very faith of Christ living in you. You're just not using it. You just have more doubt than faith. If you're condemned, if you feel guilty, guess what? You're a navel gazer. You're looking to yourself. Because in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. There is no guilt. If you're constantly looking to self, you will always fall into the pit of condemnation. Condemnation and guilt are the fruit of self-reliance. And it is the currency of man-made religion. Understand, if you feel condemned, It's because of what you are focusing on. All you have to do is adjust your eyes off from self and put them on to Jesus. Put them on to Jesus. Another thing we need to realize is that this condemnation, this condemnation is not from God. God is not condemning you. This guilt is not a, a, a work of the Holy Spirit. 
Your shame has nothing to do with God. This is self-condemnation. This is self-condemnation. Because the, because, the, because the truth is that there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. If you are born again, spirit-filled believer, you have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. All condemnation is coming from you. The first thing that has to go if you're going to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led individual is that condemnation and guilt has to be removed. You cannot move forward into a spirit-led life while being under condemnation. You can't be self-centered and walk according to the spirit. It only works. It only works. It only works if you're a sun gazer. In Romans chapter 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Is this something that we have to work for? No, the law of life, the, the law of the Spirit of life has, past tense, set you free from the law of sin and death. The first law we see here is the law of the Spirit of life. This law, this law of the spirit of life is, at, is in constant work in your spirit. This, this law is working continually in our spirits, and, it's continue, and we continue to receive the very life of God as a child of God. He is our substance. However, there is another law at work known as the law of sin and death. This law operates in your flesh. So if you're experiencing sin, if you're experiencing death in your life, guess what law you're operating in? Both laws are at war with one another, and the battleground is our souls. The battleground of the flesh and of the spirit, of the law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death, are waging war for your soul. It's raising war for your soul, for your will, your mind, and your emotions. Check your emotions. Check your emotions right now. Are they being led by the Spirit? Or are they being led by external circumstances and what you can interpret through your flesh? Our mind is what determines which law will have dominion over our lives. Which law will have dominance over our life? Which law will rule our lives? See, the problem is, is most believers try to overcome the law of sin and death in their own strength, in their own willpower, in fleshly religious schemes. You cannot overcome the flesh through religious disciplines. They will not free you from the law of sin and death. They have no power in them to free you from sin, habits, and addictions. Biblical disciplines are to receive what Jesus Christ has already done, not to make possible something that Jesus already, uh, already accomplished. The law of sin and death can't be overcome through the flesh. It can't be overcome through religious schemes. It can only be overcome by a higher law. It can only be overcome by a higher law. Just like gravity is a law, it's in constant, it's in constant work. 
If I dropped my Bible, it would hit the ground. If I jumped off a roof, I'd hit the ground. It's a law. It's constant. Just like sin and death, sin and death is constantly working in humanity. That's why we see the world as the way it is. And you can't overcome it through willpower. I'm just going to will for my Bible not to hit the ground. I'm just going to will for, for when I jump off this building that I'm not going to hit the ground. You can't overcome it with willpower. You can't pray it away. You can't fast it away. You have to have a more powerful law. Just like gravity is a law and it's always in work, but if you bring a more powerful law, like the, the law of thrust and lift, you can get a megaton airplane to defy the law of gravity. The law of sin and death can only be overcome by the higher law of the spirit of life. So how can we operate in the law of the spirit and of life? Simply by walking in the spirit. You're probably thinking, I know that, Chad. But what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Well, let's look at the very first time walking in the spirit is mentioned in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 8, verse 4, this is the foundation of what it means to walk in the spirit. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Where does it say that the righteous requirement of the law will be fulfilled? It will be, fil be fulfilled in us, not by us. That's a big difference. The righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. It's not by us. In us. The righteous requirement of the law will be fulfilled in us. Who are what? Walking in the Spirit. You need to notice that it says in us. It's not by us. It's not by our own strength. It's not by our own ability. It's by the dependence of the Holy Spirit living and moving in your spirit. The fulfillment of the law is something that happens in us, not by us, not through our own effort. Next, we see for the first time what it means to walk according to the Spirit. In verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Here we have it. Here is the biblical foundation of what it means to walk in the spirit or, or the flesh. The definition, this definition is the standard by which we should interpret every reference to walking in the spirit in the Bible, even in Galatians. Walking in the spirit is equivalent to walking according to the spirit and living according to the spirit. It's just three different ways of saying the same thing. Romans 8.5. Romans 8.5 is it's telling us that to live according to the Spirit means we must mind the things of the Spirit. Hmm. What have you been minding? What have you been setting your mind on? Are you setting them on the things of the Spirit, or are you setting them on the things of the flesh right now? 
What is God saying about your situation? I bet you the majority of Christians couldn't say. I bet you the majority of Christians are just as fearful, just, just as worried. And we have all these lovely, lovely excuses for why we, we should be. These rational thinking. God's not rational. The way of the kingdom of God is not rational. It's not rational for a man to walk on the water. It's not rational for a, a, to raise a dead man to life. It's not rationalized to give sight to the blind. It's not rational to feed 5,000 with a, few, a loaf and a few fishes. I believe that. And as a Christian, you need to believe it too. It's not rational. We're about to celebrate. We're about to celebrate the resurrection. It's not rational for a man to be crucified and put to death on a cross, buried in a tomb, and three days later, on his, in his own power, raised from the dead. That's not rational. It's not rational. We're not rational people. We're a peculiar people. We're aliens in this planet. I got a question for you. People are saying, don't worry about the churches being empty because, because the tomb is still empty too. Well, I got a question. Does that empty tomb have any relevance for why the church should not be empty? Does it have any relevance? Does the empty tomb have any relevance for what we are facing today? Church, we need to look in the mirror. We need to look in the mirror and, and, and really see. This, this is an awakening to see what we really, really, really believe. This ain't going good. The scriptural definition, the scriptural definition of walking in the Spirit is based on a mindset. This is what it means to be spiritual. Do you understand that? To be spiritual is not to have a white collar. To be spiritual isn't to sit in the lotus position and hum, your, hum, whatever you hum. I don't know what you hum. Being spiritual is not fasting. Being spiritual is not a vow of poverty. Being, it's not a vow of silence. That's not spiritual. Being spiritual is setting your mind on the things of the spirit. Someone who is carnal sets their minds on the things of the flesh. Spirituality and carnality are both a mindset. That's why they call people a meathead. If you're carnally minded, you're a meathead. And God doesn't want us to be meatheads. He wants us to be spiritually minded spiritual people and you, and in your spirit that higher that higher law of the spirit of life that we have in Christ Jesus can supernaturally change things in the natural realm because it's a higher law it's a more powerful law the spiritual realm created everything that is seen and in the natural it's always good to allow scripture to interpret scripture so based on the scriptural foundation of what it means to walk in the Spirit, let's look at the following verse. This was the light. This was the answer. 
to sin. This is the answer to, to you never having a problem again with your flesh. This is, the problem. this is the answer to all those things that you hate about yourself. This is the answer. This is the solution. This is the light switch that we turn on. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean? It says, when, what we looked at in Romans, what we just looked at by the foundational definition, we can, read, we can read and understand Galatians this way. But I say, if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's your answer. Any area of your life where you're in bondage, any of you, bondage to fear, bondage to pornography, bondage to gambling or addiction or, or, or um, um, drugs and alcohol, I, I feel so sorry for those that are struggling with addiction and are not allowed to go to their AA meetings. But I got good news for you. You have an answer. You have a light switch that can be turned on. You can, you, can, you can set your minds on the things of the Spirit. Set your minds on the things of your Spirit. Just check your mindset. What are you looking at? If you set your minds on the things of the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If, you find, if, you're, not, if you're gratifying the things of the flesh, if you're doing things you don't want to do, if you're doing things that you hate about yourself, but you just keep on doing it, there's, a, there's only one reason, and one reason only. If you're born again, the reason is you're setting your mind on the things of the flesh and not of the Spirit. Can I have the worship team come up? You're probably wondering, you're probably wondering how do we set our minds on the things of the Spirit? How do we walk in victory? How do we walk in the Spirit? Well, I'm glad you're wondering that because that's where we're going next time. Not next Sunday. Next Sunday's Easter. The next time we come together on this, on this, this, what are these called? Series. Um, we're going to be looking at what is, what does it mean? How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we set our minds on the things of the Spirit? Amen? Amen. You know, today's Palm Sunday. Today's Palm Sunday. Today is the, is the week that, that Jesus walked into or came into Jerusalem on the donkey, rec, re, representing a peaceful king coming into his kingdom. And the people surrounded him saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And a week later, they yelled, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. How finical, is that a word? How fickle is the human heart? How, un how wavering, how, how much it's like a, a boat tossed to and fro, fro on the sea. It's like an utter, it's like an utterless boat that can't be controlled. And as, as we look at this mirror, of the, this faith mirror that we're looking at, that the church needs to, the universal church 
needs to look into this mirror and take a good look at yourself and ask yourself, is this what it looks like to be more than a conqueror? Is this what it means that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Is this what it looks like to say that, that all authority has been given to me, said Jesus? Go ye therefore. Fear not, little flock. I have overcome the world. Is this what it looks like? I am seeing things, I am seeing things that I never dreamed I would see. We have, we have people talking about uh, standing up for their, their First Amendment rights. And we have pastors, we have pastors saying, now is not the time to be concerned about your First Amendment rights. If now is not the time, when is the time? When is the time? If we can't stand on our principles, if we can't stand on these God-given rights, now, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of calamity, what are they good for any other time? We have, we have church people. We have pastors. We have people that call themselves Christians that are saying that if a church comes together and has a physical service, that it's immoral and that they should be arrested and thrown in jail. Look in the mirror. I had one person, I had one person say that it's immoral. And I said, it's interesting that our government allows medical marijuana dispensaries to remain open. It allows abortion clinics to remain open. But the church, for some reason, can't remain open. It's not essential. And the way that I look at the church right now, I would say they're probably right. We're impotent. And the response by a person that says that they're a believer said this, how can you have in a church service where you could possibly infect somebody with this virus? How is it any different than an abortion clinic being open? Ah! Come on. Come on. Fear is a liar. And it makes people crazy. Wake up, church. Does the empty tomb have any, any reverence? I can't even talk. Relevance to this situation. I think it does. In church, I, I might have got people mad at me out there. I might have got people in our own congregation mad at me. But I'm telling you what, I love you. And you're being destroyed. I love you. And Jesus is Lord. And his name is above every name. And at that name, Every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. And coronavirus is a name. And it's under that name. Believe it. I'm here to tell you that your pastor, believe it. Your pastor is not in fear. The leadership of Karis New Testament Church is not in fear. Maybe the only thing that I fear is 
<laughs> people. How they react to people living out the gospel. How, people that, that, how they react to people that are living out the truth. Do you, do you know that, do, do, just do statistical, a statistical study. Do you know what the chances are? I need to shut up. You know what the chances are of you, you um, coming to a church service and passing along coronavirus to someone else that causes them to die? You have a better chance of injuring yourself or somebody else or even killing somebody in your car on the way to church. But we've accepted those dangers. We've weighed those in the scale and we thought it's better to have a car. Church, you might think, Chad, you're wrong. This is going to be horrible. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Well, I hope that I'm right. And you should be hoping that I'm right too. But we do not know. And to say that you do know is not the truth. I'm an optimist. I'm a believer. And I believe that God, this, this, this is not the end. This is not the end. I'm going to shut up. And uh, the church, don't, I can't, you're blessed. You got the Spirit of God living within you. And uh, be the church. Be the church. Help your neighbor. Pick up the phone. If they're willing to let you come over and talk with them, go. See, I got to worry about what I tell people to do because I could get sued. This is ridiculous. What a world we live in. Be the church. Walk in the Spirit. How about that? Just walk in the Spirit. Your pastor says walk in the Spirit. Do what the Spirit tells you to do. And he's never going to void Scripture. Amen? Well, well Chad, the Scripture says that you're, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to obey civil leadership. Yes, you are in normal laws and conditions. We, we're not in normal laws and conditions. They are going against our very constitutional rights. We have mayors, we have governors, we have people saying that if you see your neighbor not obeying, if you think your neighbor is not obeying the, curf the, the quarantine rules, to report them. Come on. It's not right. It's not right. There's another scripture. That's just as big of a command. It says, forsake not the assembling together, especially as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you remain faithful in the midst of your children remaining unfaithful. You are the faithful one. You are the constant one. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is established forever, O oh God. We can that can be our foundation. That we can trust in your promises. We don't have to just sing that you're a waymaker. We don't have to just sing that you're the that you're you're the uh, promise keeper. We can actually act like it's true. 
We love you, Lord. We thank you that your grace abounds. Your mercy endures forever. You are a good God, and you are the solution. You are the solution to every problem in this life. And we set our minds on you. We look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And we declare victory. And we declare an end to this coronavirus, this crisis. And we ask that there would be an unveiling of any deceptiveness that is going on in this country. Let God be true and every man a liar. Father, we just love you, we bless you, and we rest in the peace of Jesus. We rest in the joy of Jesus. We celebrate the joy of our salvation. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. The worst thing that the world has for you, for us, is to send us right directly into your presence. We love you, we praise you, and we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.